We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mel. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel Gilchrist, joined by Master of Wine, Meg Brotman. In fact, I think it is very relevant to say first female Master of Wine. It was. Meg it Brotman. is based on it's International Women's Day. International so Women's go Day. us. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go into a few wines that Meg has specifically chosen because they are female winemakers or female prominent female people behind the brand. Yes. Um, and we're also going to talk a little bit more about Meg's experience as the first female master of wine. Uh, but first, Meg, what have you been drinking? So in the interest of International Women's Day, I had a lovely wine made by Kate Goodman at Penley Estate. So it was the 2021 Francis Cab Franc. Mm. It's about $30. You can kind of get it in a few places. Yeah. Um, just even though it's got 14-odd percent alcohol, it's light and fresh. It's Kate's um, answer to easy drinking wine. So it's okay. usually released in the October after vintage. So, you know, vintage is in March, I'm assuming, in Coonawarra. Yeah. And so she releases it very early so there's no oak. It's just fresh and Yum. yummy and delicious. And it was. Yes. I was surprised when I saw the alcohol, I was a bit concerned, but then... Was it hmm, high? It's 14 or 14 and a half from but memory. It's still pretty easy drinking. That's yeah, impressive. still really fresh. Yeah. Cool. And where can we get that? Um, I can't remember where I bought it, um, but... I'm sure if we Google it. If you Google it, it's yeah. Penley Estate. Penley They're fairly Estate. widely available. Cool. And uh, fun fact? Well, fun fact's not more of a just interesting fact, I think. I was been reading about... Um, the f- South African winemakers, because, you know, obviously black South African winemakers, black women South African winemakers yeah. have probably been in for a hard time up until the end of apartheid. <laughs> yeah. So the first um, black female South African winemaker is a woman called Nadziki Bayela. Um, she grew up in a small village and she became head winemaker at a winery, but in you know, in the 2000s. It's wow. just incredible that it took so long. That it took that long, yeah. And in 2016, she established her own um, business called As- Aslina Wines and wow. she's making her own wines. But oh, that's so great. It's it's incredible. I know when my yeah. husband was working there in the 90s, there were, you know, no black yeah. people. They were working in the cellar, but they yeah. certainly weren't winemakers. So it's just really good to see increased diversity in the wine Absolutely. industry. About we bloody time. We do suffer. We have a diversity <laughs> issue. <laughs> but speaking of diversity, and at least things are going pretty well in one way because things are getting better for women in the industry. I mention a lot that you're the first female master of wine and I, in Australia. And I think it is worth pointing out that it's it's particularly significant because you didn't just do the MW. You had this extra kind of layer of being in a male-dominated industry and being the first female to pave the way. So it's a huge feat. So firstly, I just want to start the podcast by saying, as a woman who is relatively early in her wine career, I want to say thank you for doing it first and by making a more inclusive and better place for all the women who are going to follow you. Hopefully. I certainly, because I've been involved with the education program with the Institute and it's something that we have raised with them over the, the years. I think if you look at the number of MWs, it's two men for every one woman. Jesus. I think it's 156 women. We're nearly at 
500 now. Wow. So we are definitely lagging. Yes. Um, even though when I went through, uh, actually probably was about the same, two-thirds men, one-third women, but not a lot of the women finished. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a lot of the men finished yeah. either, but not a lot of the women finished. So before we even go into MW, just in terms of, say, when you first started your career in wine generally, what were some of the challenges that you did run into? Physicality, I think, is the yeah. – and bloke's attitude. Mm. I remember working in a winery and um, you have to dig out the red tanks and yeah. they're really hard and you have to climb into a small little foxhole basically and it's 37 degrees Celsius in the tank. There's no carbon dioxide. And I was told, well, everyone else has to do it, fair enough, yeah. get in there and do it. But I kept bobbing my head down. I was really nervous about the carbon dioxide to try and get air and they were just saying, this guy was saying to me, just hurry up, just hurry up. Come on, we would have got it done quicker than you. Yeah. First time I'd done it, Physically not as fit. Yeah. Um, and just that lack of understanding that we're training you and we will understand your limitations and what you can mm. do. And that's what I've always tried to do in my role as a winemaker or an employer or someone, the boss, is to understand that some people just can't do certain things. I mean, I've got it done and I've done thousands of them since then and it is a horrendous task. I still yeah. don't enjoy it. Some people absolutely love it, but I'm just not a fan. So that almost speaks to a broader, not even just focusing on women, but it's almost like a um, a mentality which is traditionally a masculine mentality in the winery that you have to be tough. Is that what it's like? Vintage. I mean, you know, vintage is hard, but yeah. the way – it's made out to be – it's like a badge of honour. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm working 14 hours a day. I'm getting two hours of sleep. you be the you toughest, know. yeah. Yeah, you've got to be the toughest. And certainly back in the 90s, um, they ran more skeleton crews. We didn't have enough people really. You worked yeah. on average 14 to 16 hours a day, which is just bloody ridiculous. It doesn't have to be done that way. Yeah. And we're – Fortunately, occupational health and safety laws have sort of helped us in this. Yeah. But I know you only get one chance and what did someone say? Oh, you can't change the season. Someone said to you, yeah. you know, you've got to play to the seasons. You can employ more people. Yeah. You can give people rest breaks. You can give them a day off. I mean, I remember one vintage, I worked 65 days straight. Jeez. And you just legally wouldn't be able to do that no. anymore. You, you would have to give people a break. It is better. Yeah. But it's that I think, I don't know, but I think because women have been in positions of power, they're a little bit more understanding that there are families involved. Yeah. And women doing vintage don't have wives. Mm. You know, Annabelle Crabbe wrote a great book, The Wife Drought, and yeah. I would encourage every single woman to read it because we don't have wives. I don't have someone when I'm doing vintage at home cooking dinner for me to take mm. to work. I don't have someone washing my clothes, drying my boots out for me. I'm married to a winemaker as well. So when we were both on, um, you know, there's a lot of fighting going on. <laughs> but generally male winemakers have wives yeah. and even if they are working full-time, they will take on that extra role. Yeah. And I'm certain that female winemakers who have husbands or partners who aren't um, winemakers, those partners will help out. But yeah. I just think the mental load of women yeah. is always higher, particularly when you throw children into the mix. Absolutely. I, just, I, do, I do believe that and you cannot convince me that it's any different. There will be exceptions, yeah, but certainly – you know, in my my own personal life, I am 
a pretty strong yeah. woman and I call it and tell my, my husband <laughs> what I want. I believe that. But I still, you know, I'm thinking about, yeah. you know, do we have pasta? I don't know. Open the cupboard. I don't yeah. have a mental list of everything in the yes. house. And it happens frequently. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm sure most women out there will yeah. be simply going, nodding their Everyone boots going, is nodding their yep. heads. <laughs> yep, yep. So do you think in the amount of time that you've been in the industry, do you think it's changed dramatically or do you think it's a slow change? It's a slow trickle. It's not fast enough. Okay. What happens is women have babies yeah. and that just screws their career. So they get up to senior winemaker or whatever, they have a baby and then it becomes harder for them mm. to do their job, particularly around vintage. And there is, it's improving, but there is little understanding of um, the need to go to your kid's soccer game or whatever. It's, the grapes, you can put people on to make the wine. Mm. You don't have to be there 24 hours a day, but there's been that mentality in the past. Yeah, I know one woman, um, she was breastfeeding. She had to pump. She had to go to a pump housing in a vineyard and sit on a dirty Jesus. old pump and pump her breast milk. Wow. I mean, seriously? Yeah. Chile is more advanced than Australia. If you uh, have children um, and you're breastfeeding, you are allowed four hours a day yeah. to breastfeed. Now, that said, they have a culture of underpaid people, particularly women, who work as nannies. Yeah, okay. So unless you're earning really good coin and you can afford a nanny, yeah. your career will naturally be stymied by having children because the burden falls on women. And that's the problem. If we were in positions of power for a longer period of time, yes, we would have made change faster. I see. And so that's kind of specific to winemaking. What about more broad in the industry? So say people studying these super high levels. We had um, a controversy last year, a couple of years ago, with Master Somme with the way women were treated, is this still evident across high-level study in wine? I I don't know. I mean, the, the problem with the Master Somme thing is you knew the people. Mm-hmm. So certainly in the MW Institute, it's um, it's anonymous. Yeah. So when you take your exam, it's anonymous. Do you want to just quickly recap what happened in Master Somme? So what happened with Master Somme is um, women were raped. They were sexually harassed. Um, the heads, there were five, four men involved, I think. Yeah. And they were all involved in the actual cor- body corporate of the Master Sommeliers and they've been demoted um, and stripped of their titles, I think. But because women came forward and it wasn't just one, it was 13 of them. Yeah. And this was just through a New Yorker piece. And it was stuff they felt like they kind of had to go along with it because in order to get their grapes, Absolutely. right? Yeah. There's a book called Wine Girl, Wine Chick, I don't think it's particularly well written. Um, it's by a girl called Victoria Roberts and she – it's graphic what okay. happens to her while she's yeah. studying for her master song. I don't think we see that so much in the hospitality trade now. You certainly – Yeah, because a hospo, that's another thing. Like um, notoriously women have struggled in hospo. Well, the brilliant article in Bon Appetit a couple of months ago um, talking about – when everyone was locked down and hospo trying to keep hospo together, um, in this is in the states and juggling children, yeah, and it fell on women, yeah, yeah. They were homeschooling and they were juggling. And they were going yeah. out and doing shifts, or they were doing deliveries and making wine. It's, I think, I mean, certainly when the Me Too moment came, I would say of all the women 
winemakers that I know, 95% of them put their hand up for a Me Too moment. Wow. God, that's so, horrifying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, I had a guy up. wave his dick at me at work. And were you able to say anything? Just was there any say, formal you, procedures? No, no, he just didn't say anything. It was just, oh, that's bloody blah, 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 and laughed it off and yeah. got on with your day. I cannot imagine that happening. Yeah. I mean, I think about it now. I think like, about it if they did, someone did that to my children. Yeah. I would be just horrified yeah. and would go to the nth degree. But just this was in the 90s. You know, I worked in France. It's a very machismo country. Yeah. I was a woman and I was Australian telling the French how to make their wine. <laughs> I remember in the Loire Valley one day. <laughs> I, they loved that. I was, there was a winemaker and I was saying, I need to transfer this tank into this tank. And he's saying, no, 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 I get priority. And I said, well, no, we've, we've agreed that these are my tanks, blah, blah, blah. And he he was like in my face. He was leaning down into me. And so I stepped up on a hose so that I could be the same height at him. And I had my hand on the valve and I said, it either goes in there or it goes down the drain. Your call. Oh my God. And this is thousands of dollars worth of wine. I'm obsessed. That's and amazing. He finally said, oh, my heart was racing. I was just like a <laughs> complete mess afterwards, but I was there to do yeah. a job. Yeah. And if I couldn't do the job, I was failing. So, yeah, I just took on old Vincent. I was absolutely <laughs> I love it when you name bloody, call. <laughs> they're all called Vincent. So <laughs> I was absolutely bloody terrified. Oh, wow. Well, I think that's a nice segue because um, stuff you doing things like that, standing up and taking a stand, definitely helps make a difference. And a lot of examples of what you've brought in today are people or women who are standing up. And so when we say women, we mean women super inclusively, anyone who identifies as a woman. And this, these wines are women who are doing amazing things in wine. So I can't wait to get into it. Tell me what we've got. So the first wine we've got is a Delamere um, sparkling wine. I think it's just a straight cuvee. This is made by Fran Austin, who is... Um, a great winemaker. She worked with Hardy's down in Tasmania. She's from Kalgoorlie in WA, and she's a friend of mine. Um, I brought this in because I was thinking, you know, how many female sparkling winemakers are there in Australia? And I could not think of a one. Domaine Chandon, they're all pretty much blokes. Ed Carr runs up the accolades mm. Hardy's sparkling wine yeah um and so I thought that's interesting just a shout out to Fran it's a husband and wife team Fran does all of this on her own she's Jesus. got sparkling wine making she was actually sent to Champagne by the Tasmanian government to look at mm-hmm. grower champagne so she was given a grant to travel with she got she just found out she was pregnant she just had a new baby so she's wow. carrying like a three-month-old I think Isabel was three months old Jeez. um so that she could go to Champagne and study grower champagnes because that's effectively what they are and the Tasmanian government was obviously thinking, can we grow this as part of our industry? So this is a just a well done. Sparkling winemaking is very, very difficult and this is – I'd forgotten how good it is. It is so good. I've been looking forward, I've been looking forward to tasting it because I was still sipping at my coffee when um, you gave Tori a taste and she was like, oh, my God, that's so good. The bubbles really fine. I have no idea if it's Chardonnay or Pinot. Must have spent a while in Lees or something. It's so rich and bready. and It's got a lot of Lees. What I find interesting is that Shane's, her husband's listed first, but I know that Fran does all of the – 
like the dosage t- trials and everything and she's mm. an amazing, she's a tiny little thing. But beautiful acid. That, that is. Look at the bubble. It's just beautiful. Uh, one of, honestly, one of my new favourites, Park Links. That is seriously good. How much is that and where can we about get it? 45. I'd happily pay 45 And again, I got that. all of these wines from different drop okay, um, great. online. We'll put the links in the show notes. Um, because it's kind of a one-stop shop for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do go to different drop. Well, they deliver really quickly. They're based in yeah. Sydney, but they literally next day delivery. Mm. And during um, lockdown, my understanding is they were using a lot of hospo people to do the driving. That's nice. So they were meeting people in Albury and doing a changeover. Cool. So yep. I think they've really supported the industry. So shout out to different drop. That is delicious, Franny. Yeah. Well done. Absolutely. I remember having this with Fran. She came over and we went out for Japanese and it was on the restaurant and she said, I'm not ordering my own wine. I said, yes, we are. It's just beautiful. It is beautiful. Jeez, that's good. I'm really Mm. looking forward to buying that again. Yum. So the next wine that we have is a Riesling from Tessa Brown and Jeremy Schmolzer in in Beechworth, but they've been burnt out with smoke, so they've bought fruit from all over in 2020. I bought this because I just find Tessa Brown one of the most amazing women that I've ever met. Wow. She does everything. I think they've got two or three kids. Yeah. Um, Jeremy was an, is an architect by trade, and I don't know what Tessa did. Every time I see her or see of her, read of her, she's – She's doing stuff, you know, (laughs) she's on a tractor or she's putting out nets or she's making the wine and um, she's – I saw her at the Victorian Wine Show and she was asked to bring a bottle of champagne, um, a magnum of champagne, and she said, oh, you know, I don't really know much. You could see that she felt a bit uncomfortable talking about champagne, but she's super bright and – I've loved their Chardonnay. I just think it's Beechworth Chardonnay. It is stunning. I always buy it when I can. And this is a Riesling S. Um, has it got sugar in it? It's 10.5% yep. alcohol. Oh, I should probably shouldn't have put it in there at number two. It's delicious, though. Oh, they are amazing. I'm not even mad, and I normally don't like a sweet wine, but mm. that is Perfection. Awesome. Yeah. That's how – that acid mm-hmm. and it's got that residual sugar that just makes you want more. It's not sickly sweet. Mm-hmm. This is an aperitif style of wine. The acid is superb. There's lime and white florals. There's a little bit of kerosene in there. That's what I was like. I was arguing with myself being like, I swear to God. 2020. I think when they have those hot years. In theory, it's only two years old. The kerosene is something to do with hot years and Ah. phenolics. So it's actually considered a bit of a fault early on. I don't think so. That is superb. I'm going back. I think that was 25 bucks. Jeez. Oh, first two wines are blowing it. Oh, I've got we've got a this morning. We've got a selection um, for everyone. So yeah, if you can get the wines from um, Schmolzer and Brown, do buy them. Mostly online, small, independent retailers. I think I saw them in like Hearts and Sparrows the mm. other day, but often sell out very very quickly because they're tiny producers. Um, but they, it's a passion project yeah. for them, but there's rigour in what they do. Yeah. So they're not, it's not a passion project that we're just going to make anything. They yeah. have a true connection to the land. They have a true connection to what they're trying to produce. And when they got smoke tainted, I know people were willing 
happy, mm. not give fruit, but yes. to sell them yep. some fruit. So this is King Valley. If you don't do it every year, guys, do it every year because that is <laughs> The most perfect Riesling. Yeah, and I think it's a really good example of in Australia we have a lot of Riesling that is bone dry. Mm. Um, And I I don't often find sweeter ones in Australia, and that's a really, really good example of one. There's another one from New Zealand called Forest, the Forest. Yeah. The Doctors, and they do one like this – it's a ten and a half percent. It's mm. slightly frizzante. It's got that same mm. sort of same level of sugar. Just such a beautiful summer wine to yeah. drink during the day to sit outside. Yeah. Yum! Well done. Yeah, well done. We then have um, the Unico Zello Jade and Jasper Fiano from the Riverland. Now, the woman that's behind this is not the winemaker; she's the marketer. You know, I'm obsessed with their marketing. So. Unico Zello is a husband and wine team. Um, husband and wife. Husband and wife <laughs> team. Laura and Brendan Carter, yeah. and um, everything that she does. And I was amazed. I remember when I was at the Australian Women in Wine Awards. I kind of knew them. They weren't really on my radar. I sort of dismissed them almost as a mm. natural wine oh, people. Yeah. Um, but then obviously tasted the wines and I've been buying them ever since. In fact, when I bought this, I bought another bottle so that I could have wine in my cellar to drink because I think this Fiano yep. is extraordinary. The other thing I love about them as a team is that they're taking grapes from less trendy areas, Riverland, yeah, yeah. so they're supporting these these traditional regions that yeah. are a little bit daggy, but they are taking cool grape varieties. But they're cool but approachable as well and they do a really good job of um well she laura does a really good job in marketing of it's not too cool that it's outlandish and too hipster and unapproachable but she makes these other wines just like cool and approachable which is probably why they're they're broadening not just their own market but the entire category of people who drink wine they definitely are because they've i've seen that um with Wine Australia, they've been involved with doing some talks on Wine Australia now for a small hmm. husband and wine team. I think they're based out of Adelaide, South Adelaide Hills. Yeah. Um, to get involved with a corporate monolith that, that is Wine Australia um, and when you watch them, they're just really down to earth about it. Um, I love that. And there, there's obviously, like I said, there's rigour involved in, in the winemaking and, the, and they, they know, but they're also really respecting the fruit. They make another Fiano of a different soil type. Mm-hmm. So Yum. just really interesting. This is beautiful and floral and not too high in alcohol. That's one no. of my issues with Fiano. Lovely acidity. It's just delicious. That's yum. Yep, that's really yum. Mm. Happily sip on that. So now we have women and sustainability all thrown into one. Oh my gosh, your favourite. We have Claire Birder, uh Imminence Pinot Meunier Rosé. This was in the um, a glass of range. They were those little yogurt pouches. <laughs> yeah, the yogurt pouches. Claire Birder, I've known for a number of years. She is your consummate wine professional. There is nothing that this woman cannot do. She's worked in hospitality. She's worked in education. She's worked in event space. I remember doing an event with her at Good Food and Wine. I can't even remember what it was about. Yeah. Chardonnay maybe. Um, She has gone back to her family's vineyard in the King Valley. Um, Yep, King Valley. 
and started to make wine, which she's doing like she does everything else perfectly. The thing about Claire, if you want to read her Instagram page, there is no BS. She had an issue with a sparkling wine that hadn't gone through to, hadn't bubbled up. So she showed everyone that she was disgorging it, she was refiltering it, she was doing all this stuff to it so she could have a saleable product. She lists the cost, what it of what it costs to produce a, a grape, a ton of grapes, so people know when they, hmm. you know, bitch about, oh, mm. why is this wine forty five dollars? She's in her Instagram page. I just, I love. She always gives me tingles when I read it because I just think Aww. she's calling it as she sees it. Yeah, that's amazing. And she does it in a really, um, like open manner, but also it's very easy to read. You don't have to be a winemaker to to understand because I think the wine industry tradition, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors mm. going on and, you know, we talk about terroir and the soil yeah. Oh, and yeah. blah, 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 you know, all this old bloke stuff. Claire <laughs> cuts that through yeah, and she just talks about what, how hard it is to make wine. It's epic. I love it. So I haven't had this rosé before. It's Pinot Meunier. So well, it's kind of violety and mustic or... Well, even the first thing I noticed is look how deep that colour is. In the world of every single rosé around these days is like that provincial light style. Kind of oh, that's thing lovely. Like that. It is so good. So you know me. I think that rosé is a waste of time mostly. Like I think it's... I know. Yeah. I, I don't have much time for rosé. This could be... One of the nicest rosés I think I've ever tasted. It's kind of a weird mix of floral and savoury at the same time. And again, acidity. And all of these wines that we've had, the acidity has just been absolutely spot on perfect. That is beautiful. And the thing is, I I don't know if you can buy this. I'll have to find out if if you can buy that in a a bottle. I'm assuming you can. I need to buy that. I'm so far. I'm going out to buy every single wine that we've tasted so far. Well, I was trying to get um, a Chapel Hill rosé because Chapel oh, yeah. Hill was started by. Um, I don't know if it was started, but the first winemaker of note was a woman called Pam Dunsford. Hmm. I did a bit of, re- and when I was going through uni, she was the guru because there weren't many other women yeah. out there. So Pam was like the guru. It was mm. Clarabar, we were studying in Adelaide, so it was close. We trek down like, you know, yeah. a pilgrimage down to see Pam. I found out that she was actually the first woman accepted at Roseworthy College huh. to study winemaking. Wow. And was told in her interview to get her position there, why are you applying? No one will give you a job. <gasps> and that was in 1972. Because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. So she would have finished in probably 75 obviously had a distinct distinguished career she's an amazing woman i've met her a few times and then i found out um she retired in 1996 to go and study anthropology how freaking cool is this woman (laughs) yeah that's kind of awesome (laughs) because we had one of uh, one of the women that i was studying with caroline dunsford or something um yeah she went to work for pam and we were all so jealous yeah like oh my god you're working with this guru because that's awesome you know I sort of started out with the, the Sue Hodder. She's a head winemaker now at Wins, Kunawara. Um, but there weren't many women running wineries no. back then. So we have only have the one rosé, but I did want to get the Chapel Hill rosé, even though Pam's obviously had nothing to do with the business. But yeah. she's 
Talk about trailblazer. Yeah, absolutely. The last one we have is um, back to my darling Yarra Valley. So this is from um, a young woman, Natalie Johnson, known as Tilly. She is assistant winemaker at Giant Steps, who have just taken on a new head winemaker since Steve Flamsteed's left, and it's a woman. Oh, cool. Melanie Brown, I think her name is. Great name. <coughs> um, Tilly makes wines called Tilly J. Mm-hmm. This is a Pinot Noir. I've had this a few times. Um, and I just wanted to show this because it's nice to see young women in our zone, our region, doing different wines, oh, really? trying different things and putting it out there. You know, it must be hard. She has a full-time job, you know, but she's – Jeez. <coughs> yeah, that's awesome. Often out in the vineyard. So I'm, I've had this a few times. I seem to remember it's quite bunchy. So she doesn't make it for giant stabs. This no, is this her is own. her own brand. Jeez. Yeah, so okay. So full-time job. If you look at her Instagram page, she's out in the vineyard always. It's something to do with dreadlocks because she has these very long dreadlocks and her dog. The dog's out there. I can't remember. But look for Tilly J. Um, I had this in a tasting, gosh, probably pre-2019 or 2020 vintage. We did a tasting at Barique Wine Store in Hillsville um, and Tilly's wine was there and I was just really blown away by her. I only spoke to her very, very briefly, but also by the wine. Um, it is quite bunchy. Yeah. Mm. 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 Um, yum. That length. 13% alcohol. Go so, so floral and mm. violety and almost rose petal and yum. That's really yum. Yeah. Good I on think it. this is around the $40 mark. Um, often yep. sold out. Okay. When I've I've tried to buy it. I've, I've, I buy it nearly every year, um, but it's often you got to kind of get in early to yep. get it. I think Barrique Wine still probably still stocks it, but like I said, I got all of these through Different Drop. And this is the thing about Different Drop is they're supporting all these people that a lot yeah, of people that's would awesome. never have heard of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and all these young women winemakers that can't have a shop front or yes. a cellar door yep. or whatever. So that's all the wines I've brought in. What a great taste. I am not even going to ask you to choose a wine of the day because I'm sure you couldn't. <laughs> it, they, they're all amazing They wines. are actually really, really, really This is really one of the best podcasts, like wine lineups we've had, I reckon. I thought a lot about this because I yeah. wanted a little bit of a story of, of um, not just highlighting winemakers, so highlighting Laura from Unico Zello mm. because, again, they don't get the credit. I, I had no idea. You know, she gets – we know that she exists because she won this award, but there are so many work, women working in the background yeah. that just never get out in the spotlight. And yeah. there is a, a great um, uh, a great collective called Jones of Mark that mm. I ask you to have a look at. They're doing yes. a sparkling wine one at now with um, Sarah Andrews, yep. who is head of WCT here yes, in Australia yes. and is a – an incredible yes. promoter of women in wine. Absolutely. Um, they're doing a new one. I bought one to support the LGBTQI community. Um, and yeah. it's a curated pack of all female winemakers, but from around the world. Wow. It is seriously good. It was like $200, I think. Um, I got six wines and they've all been absolutely 
beautiful wines. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Stuff I wouldn't buy. Yeah. But just fabulous. So have a look at Jones of Mark. And I know that Claire Birder from Eminence is involved with it as well. I think she came up with the name because she's a very clever girl. That's amazing. And she's very cool. (laughs) Sounds like they're all very cool, Shanna. They are all very cool. All of these, you know, women, one of which I know personally, but I've met briefly and they have had an impact on me enough that I've actually remembered them to buy yeah, their wines. That's really lovely. Even if it's been really short. All right. So well done, ladies. Yeah. And, and thank you everyone for listening to us as well. We're the only We are I think we're the only female wine podcast in Australia that totally I've come across. Female, including Tori, who does all the hard work behind the scenes as well. Yeah. I mean there's wine blasts with the two the husband and wife wine team. They're UK based though. But yeah. They are UK based at but they're actually quite funny yeah for english people for english people <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for supporting us and and yes. we definitely want you to go out and support um these women in wine but even women in wine generally yeah. i don't want to work anymore i just want to sit here and drink these wines seriously they are yeah. amazing absolutely go, ladies i'm really proud of you <laughs> i'm really proud awesome. of you we will be back next week with another topic that is very close to Meg's heart. Wines of Chile. Yep, my kids are chilenos. Um, and I have got a really interesting mix. Oh, my wine. God. I'm trying to cover from north, which yeah. is very north to south. It's a yeah. very long country. So yeah. 4,200 kilometres. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I do not drink enough Chilean wine. so They're impossible to get. Yeah. And they're all the big boys. But it's like a huge wine-producing country. Like, it is such a significant region in the world. It's funny that there's, like, barely any access to it People in Australia. People think of it as a cheap and cheerful producer. Are you going to prove us wrong? I hope so. <laughs> We'll be back with that next week. Remember, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd love to hear your reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts. But um, until next week, enjoy your next glass of wine. And drink chick. (laughs) Awesome. We would like to thank Rob Dolan Wines for sponsoring this podcast and they have kindly made available an offer for our listeners. That's it. So Rob Dolan Wines is based only about 30 minutes from Melbourne. So if you're in Victoria, it's pretty easy to get out to our end at South. If you tell the tasting staff at the cellar door that you listen to the podcast, what they're going to do is give you a sneaky taste of all the other things that aren't on the standard tasting menu uh, that you might have heard about while you're listening. And hopefully it's all Cabernet. Oh, go the Cabernet. Go the Cabernet. Drink the Cabernet. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Drink the Marsat. No. (laughs) If you aren't based quite as close, we still have something for you. There is a free shipping uh, code. It is just podcast. If you put podcast into your checkout, then you'll get free shipping. So you can taste some of the things that we rave about on this podcast. Go the Cabernet. (laughs) 